Hello, you are listening to Poldark Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Poldark saga. This week we will be continuing on with our reactions to the new episodes as they air on BBC One with episode two of season three. So if you are unable to watch the show at the present time, switch off because this is going to be a whole lot of spoilers and you know, you don't want that. So why don't we introduce ourselves? My name is Rita. I'm living in England and I tumble at Princess of Podog and tweet at Rita Bite. Hi, I'm Michelle. I live in the States. I Tumblr at Poldark Muses and tweet at Musings. And hi, I'm Delinda. I live in France. I Tumblr at Britishly So and tweet at Delinda Dia. So let's dive on in with the episode description. The show began at Wheel Grace, where Drake and Sam are now working. Sam has taken to preaching after work rather awkwardly, and he already has a flock of, admittedly, mostly female followers that hang off his every word. He and Drake have moved into a cottage in Seoul. They even have cute little bunk beds, which I found adorable. While over for dinner, Ross warns them against going anywhere near Trenwith or its household. That lasts for approximately 15 minutes because Drake and Sam take a shortcut while carrying a washed-up beam home and ran into, you guessed it, Morwenna and Jeffrey Charles. They have a friendly chat, then figure out they're sort of indirectly related, and Drake hands Morwenna a bunch of flowers. This is then followed by an accidental meeting on the beach. Drake shows Jeffrey Charles and Morwenna a holy well in a cave, and then slips Morwenna a bracelet he made from some seashells. I don't think any good could come of it. Over at Trenwith, George and Elizabeth are planning Valentine's christening and invite over Verity, who arrives, carrying an adorable squishy baby. She's there to ask awkward questions like, Who does Valentine favor? And generally be adorable. In the meantime, Caroline is still in mourning for her uncle, but apparently not enough to wear black or not attend parties? Confusing. Anyway, she is concerned her secret marriage might seem disrespectful, so she plans to marry Dwight again, publicly this time. After the christening, everyone heads back to Trenwith for a party, and George mentions hearing news of a skirmish between French and British battleships, which frightens both Verity and Caroline, who both fear for their respective husbands. Ross finds out that Andrew's ship is missing, and that Dwight's was wrecked off the French coast. Subplot alert! Sam, Drake, and his growing Methodist crew pick a church to attend services at on Sundays. They pick, surprise, surprise, the same church the Willigans attend. The service doesn't start until the church's benefactor arrives, so annoyed by George's tardiness, Sam and his crew start singing hymns to while away the time. When the Willigans finally arrive, everyone is still singing and George is not amused. He asks that Reverend Odges, quote, deals with them. So Odges goes over and forbids the Methodists from attending. George has his sights on rape and venom's former magistrate seats and angles his way into the confidence of Sir Francis Bassett, an influential figure in Cornwall. This gets him invited along to a house party Sir Francis is throwing. But don't you worry, he's not the only one attending. The whole class we had invited! Woohoo! Party at the Bassett! Yay! Coming up, so you better get this body started. I'm coming up, so you better get this body started. 
نازنین ویر تی آر ان میشن وی نو ا میشن گت نیوز دی ٹریول ان از ورلد اپ بای اینی مینز نیسسری دیر کوت مینز سیم تو بی جاست چاتنگ پولائٹلی ود پیپل اینڈ بای دوئنگ سو دی فائنڈ آؤٹ دیٹ اینڈروز شپ از سیف اینڈ پٹ ان ٹو پورٹ ان لزبن یای ہورے Meanwhile, while all that's going on at the party, Ross bumps into Robin Ellis. Hey, it's <laughs> Reverend Hulse again. And he takes Ross aside and offers him the magistrate's position. George is so desperate to have. He and you must know it's barely four years since I was on trial for wrecking riot and assault. A most excellent point, Ross. What the hell are Bassett and Hulse thinking? Anyhow, Ross turns down the post because it would be incredibly hypocritical and his self-righteousness would hate the compromises involved in the process. I don't know if it's self-righteousness. Oh, come on. It's Ross Podog. Everything is self-righteousness. He's not. He's got his pride. He's not self Okay, I'm going to stop the show. <laughs> For now. Um, <laughs> as a consequence, they offer the job to George who squeals like a little girl when he's told. JK, but he might as well have. He was, like, picking out outfits before he even got the job. Like, come on. <laughs> All each for girls. <laughs> I thought you were dead. Ah, midnight aft enough, young captain, but cheated it by a whisker. Or I... Welcome, Folly! Everyone's favourite pirate cliché is here. He even has a hook hand. <laughs> he shows up and offers Ross some good news. Kind of. He's heard that the travail ran aground near a prisoner of war camp that has hundreds of British prisoners. Ross plans to visit France and meet with a smuggling contact to get the list of prisoners and find out if Dwight is being held there. Cut to a really confusing montage of Dwight's shipwrecked boat, then Caroline looking out the window, and then French soldiers shooting prisoners, and then Dwight... Not being murdered by them, despite being in a shooting line? Like we said, confusing. The episode ends with Ross climbing on board a boat with Dolly, while Demelza stands on a clifftop, watching and crying as her husband jaunts off on another adventure. Adventure? Humph. More <laughs> on this later. Okay, episode discussion. Uh, really looking forward to getting into this, so let's get to it. What did you think of this week's episode? We got overwhelmingly positive feedback after last week's episode. You know, I think if we'd had Ross and Demelza just hold hands in this episode or smile at one another, that we all would have been over the moon. But Our standards are low. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, they sure are. Prairie Cheesehead said, Overall, I thought it was a good one. It seemed to be much calmer than last week's. It was nice to have a little bit of Ramelza before things get heavy. Uh, Sweetbog22 said, Loved it! I was so disappointed last week. And I didn't just love it because of the Ramelza moments. The whole thing was great. I feel better about the show as a whole now. I think we are moving in the right direction. I personally absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, there were still frustrating elements, but it was a really good episode overall. And uh, I also, of course, enjoyed seeing Ross and Demelza reconnect as lovers, but also as partners in crime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my God, I needed this episode like I needed air. <laughs> uh, it was lovely to see them have moments of friendship again. 
uh, like they did in season one, uh, you know, right after they got uh, married and realized that they'd fallen in love. I mean, or, or actually episode four, which, you know, is the best episode ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but it was nice to see them being friends again. And, um, you know, even when there were moments when uh, George or Elizabeth were mentioned, you know, it, you didn't see both of them becoming glowery, broody, miserable. You know, you saw them recognize that situation, but it wasn't something that they, that turned them from being friendly to being, um, having animosity between them again. So thank you, Jesus, for this episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. But (laughs) I have to play devil's advocate here and point out that a lot of the problems we talked about last week are still there. Like, the direction was still (laughs) god-awful. The plotting (laughs) makes zero sense. Why was Verity involved in Dwight going missing? Why? Uh, You got a a point there. (laughs) I was like, where did that come from? Um, And the pace is just completely out of whack still. While this was a very good episode, I still think the fundamental foundations of the season are terrible and that the payoff for these storylines might end up disappointing us. Sorry to be a downer, someone had to say it. That's that's okay. That's okay. I mean I think I think, you know, if I put my objective uh hat on for a minute, uh sorry Romel Zabini, you need to sit over there for a minute. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I agree there were some moments where I saw some of the same uh you know really super bright flash of, of light uh, in some of the shots, like the, the shot where Verity is standing on the cliffs, uh, you know, being thankful that her husband has been found and she's talking to her baby son. Uh, there was this like massive, like shiny light in the lower right you know corner. What? I, I think I tweeted about that. I was, it's, um, it's this effect you get on Sony Vegas. It's like this Sony Vegas sunbeam effect that you get in really cheesy yeah. music videos. And you're just like, oh. Yeah, it was, it was totally distracting. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, she's standing on the cliffs of some of the most beautiful countryside on the planet. Why do you have to add this, really? Because the sun is, like, right there, shining. It, it's in a lot of the beach scenes with Drake and Moena as well. It's like, they're on the beach. It's already stunning. Why are you adding that? Anyway, what what was your favorite scene and why? Perichis has said, I have more than one. They aren't scenes so much as moments. One, when Prudy was flirting with Drake. <laughs> it's still so funny. And then Drake couldn't leave fast enough. Uh, that made me laugh out loud. Just remembering it makes me laugh. Two, Aunt Agatha's excitement when Verity arrived at Trenwith. She reminded me of a puppy who is so happy to see you when you come home. And three, George's little yes when <laughs> Reverend House asked him <laughs> to be a magistrate. <laughs> oh my All god! missing was a fist pump. And then Aunt Agatha getting in his head again when she ruined his moment by implying that George was not the first choice. Oh, come on, Aunt <laughs> Agatha, let him have his win. No! No! Never! Never. I want to see him. I want to see how high uh, Jack Farthing can actually lift his chin up in the air <laughs> before. <laughs> because 
I swear to God, his chin can't get much higher. His nose is like pointed straight up in the air at this point. He's just so freaking cocky. Uh, Sweetbog22 said any of the Ramelsa scenes in bed. There were two and they were so tender and playful. I believe now that a reconciliation has taken place off screen. I also love the friendship between Caroline DeMelza and Russ. <laughs> off screen. Anyway, BPAC 67 agrees. Uh, the scene between Ross and DeMelza in bed where she lays her head on his shoulder and then pushes him out of bed when there's a knock on the door. I love those snippets of domesticity and married life. There's a realistic feel to it. The playful, the, the playfulness, the love, and the tiredness. Yeah. Elsie Dawson said, I loved the scene when Prudy came across Drake bathing in the stream. I loved her forwardness and her spunky attitude. The only gal still has hormones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, us old people do still have hormones. <laughs> and uh, I loved even better how Drake reacted. There was no misunderstanding in what was said, meant, or and implied by either of them. Drake's face said it all. He could not get out of there fast enough. Great scene or very good acting? Or was it acting? <laughs> yeah, I choked on my iced tea. I was laughing so hard. Um, you know, Beatty must have had a ball with that scene. And I'm sure Harry uh, was, was like giggling along with it because it was just hysterical. Um, Amanda Poldark called her Cougar Prudy. <laughs> God, I hate that term, cougar, but all okay. right. Um, it was a great combo of comic relief and characterization. Drake is too much of a shy Methodist to consider himself as a sexual being yet. Mm. I personally uh, found myself really enjoying the scene between Ross and Reverend Hulse. The expression on Ross's face when he sees Hulse's behind him is, I mm. think, my very favorite expression so far in this series. Um, and thank you, thank you, Rita, for making that gift set of that moment. You're welcome. It, 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 it gave me life. Um, given their history, it was kind of delightful seeing Hulse recognize some of the benefits Ross would have brought to the bench. Plus, any time I get to see Robin Ellis on screen, again, makes me smile. Swoon. Ladies, what did you think? Uh, my favorite scenes were everything to do with Sam and George in church. This felt like a really authentic representation of the conflict in the books. It's a conflict, but it's not brimming with the melodrama of the usual Nampara trend with interactions that you get in the show. Like the expression <laughs> on both the guys' faces when George walks in and they're still singing is fabulous. Like shout yes. out to Jack Farthing's face in most of this episode because it was just <laughs> so snobby. And extra oh, yes. points for having some very gorgeous singing. I really love Tom York's voice. Yeah, they've got gorgeous voices. Really lovely. And I love that scene because it highlights the hypocrisy of the church where wealth and privilege dictate treatment and not faith. George is nowhere yeah. near being a good Christian, but because he pays for everything, that's worth more than Sam's clear devotion to Christ. Uh... A lot of reason why this subplot works for me is I think it's down to its simplicity. It's one of the very few storylines Debbie hasn't really changed or made unnecessarily convoluted. Yet! <laughs> you never know. Um, well, every time Ruby Bento graces the screen, she manages to steal the scenes. And uh, this episode was no exception. Uh, I admire Verity's character for her optimism 
Even when she thought she was about to lose her husband, she saw a silver lining. <laughs> she's impressive. Um, I know that she's not supposed to be involved uh, involved that much in the book, but it's really nice and thrilling to see that uh, Maymoth screen peeps uh, recognize her talent to involve her in uh, extra storylines. And uh, also, not for the reason you might think, but uh, I absolutely enjoyed the short scene that we had of the Khan brothers swimming in the sea. No regrets. <laughs> and uh, simply because we saw two brothers having fun and enjoying the beauty of their surroundings because they live in Cornwall. That was really beautiful. And yeah, not for the reasons you might think. You really barely saw anything also because it was like mostly like, oh, you saw a bit of shoulder. Ooh, so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> so it leads us to the least favorite scene and why. So be back 67. Didn't like the swimming scene with Sam and Drake. Ha! Do they think all the audience is interested in is bare-chested men? Well... Uh, is this, this a bad time to point out how much I like bare-chested Sam? I'm gonna hang my head really? in shame. I'm hanging my head in shame, it's okay. Oh, oh dear. I'll take what I can get. You got a whole bare-chested Aiden Turner scene. I got shoulders. Yeah. Um, Perry Cheesehead said, the part where Demelza gets that look after Ross tells her that he feels he must go to France to find Dwight. I get that she might be worried, given the danger that is involved and that she is pregnant and all, but the expression on her face came across to me as being snarky rather than being worried. And I found myself thinking, oh, come on, he's doing this for his friend. It's not like he started smuggling again. Honestly, I'm getting a bit tired of Snarky Demelzo. I rewatched that scene several times, uh, and the snark level seemed to decrease with each viewing. Uh, but I admit, when I first saw the show on Sunday, you know, I was kind of like, "Dude, he's doing it for your friend Dwight. It's you know, give him give him a break." That, but that was on my initial viewing. Like I said, I rewatched it and. Um, really didn't see snark i i did see that she was uh concerned and worried and and kind of filled with trepidation i think um at the the sound of ross going off and meeting up with his uh smuggling buddies over in france yeah i i didn't read any level of snark at all not on first viewing and not on second because to me there was clearly a huge amount of fear on her face when you think about all the shit ross has put her through like almost getting himself hang lost season, then immediately going into smuggling where he almost gets caught and hung again. Like, she has a lot of baggage when it comes to this guy and doing dangerous activities. And my heart completely broke for her when she was watching him leaving and, like, she starts welling up and tears are falling down her face on that cliff. All episode, you had him telling her he was, like, this new guy and he just wanted to have a nice, peaceful life with her. And then this comes up, and I don't think she blames him for going, but I think the circumstances of it breaks her heart. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I get that. I, I get that. And the, the scene where she's standing on the clifftop watching him as he leaves, and that little solitary tear kind of streaking down her cheek was really heartbreaking. Uh, I would like to note, you know, as the podcast's uh, sole defender of Ross Vinterpolder, that um, when Ross turns and looks up uh, the, at the cliff where she's standing, the look on his face where, it, to me, 
it really looked like he was he was saying, you know, I don't want to go. I want to stay here with you, but I I have to go because this is Drake, our friend, and and uh, we need oh, to find Dwight. out what's happening Sorry. with him. Oh, Dwight. Sorry, did I say Drake? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Um, you know, sorry. Uh, no, Dwight. Dwight is the one that's over there right now. And uh, it, the, the expression on his face was, was really beautiful to see, you know, after all of the glowering and brooding and, uh, you know, tortured looks of the last season, uh, you know, to see him truly expressing himself um, non-verbally with, with his his face um, and his eyes. It was it was really lovely. Yeah, I, for once I was actually feeling quite bad for Ross because you could really tell that he didn't want to go, and I think that's quite a tu- that's a turnaround from the books where he was sort of looking for excuses to go, where he was feeling kind of restless. Um, mm-hmm. This is a complete character shift from the books, but no one I dislike. I think it's an interesting choice. When I watched the scene uh, where he first mentioned the possibility of going to France and she spoke her mind <laughs> when he agreed not to, I thought her response was hilarious. You agree. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of like, I know you and you don't like fancy parties. Why do you want to go all of a sudden, man? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So funny. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, Amanda Poldark said the Bassett party was her least favorite scene. Uh, I don't mind the plot shortcuts, party scenes, and filming Operation Save Dwight completely as is from the novel um, are incredibly expensive. Uh, I also like how they use Robin Ellis as Reverend Hulse to show Ross's transition from a man who wants to give the cops the middle finger to a guy that becomes the police. <laughs> uh, what I didn't like was how it became a stage for another round of the Ross versus George wars. Uh, he had no contact with George during this part of the story. The magistrate position and the volunteers plot in the books was about how Ross evolved as a leader and a political thinker. I didn't see enough of that in this scene. And that's a really good point. Uh, you know, that one of the things that's you know, really delightful about you know, Ross's growth during this part of the story is you begin to see uh, how he um, might lead uh, people, you know, beyond the whole, you know, let's go smuggling or, you know, let's uh, riot and wreck on a beach. You know, we start to see how, you know, his uh, determination could be <laughs> harnessed for good. And, and uh, so we, 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 didn't, we didn't get that. Um, I'm hoping that we'll see uh, more of it manifest itself when he comes back from France. Or does he? Dun, 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 dun. dun. <laughs> uh, Sweet Bog 22 says, you know, I know even in the books, it says Elizabeth took a long time to warm up to Valentine. It was just heartbreaking to see. Uh, well, uh, speaking of Elizabeth, I was seriously bothered first for the, um, I was bothered by the lack of affection that she didn't show her newborn, and uh, especially the fact that she compared a Valentine to Jeffrey Charles. I mean, WTF? Who does that? Um, I, I get that she's upset with Ross, but to me, it, does not, it doesn't justify making your innocent child pay for it. 
ordinarily when I would see a plot like this, I would assume she had like postpartum depression or something. But I think this is different. I think she's really convinced the baby is Russ's and is prepared to hate the baby for his father's sins. And I just feel sorry for the baby and I feel kind of sorry for her because her view of the world is just so terribly skewed that like that's not how you treat your baby. Yeah, and uh, what is her problem with Jeffrey Charles? <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that as a mother, you may come as protective, but I think this is getting too far and ridiculous. And uh, Morwenna is supposed to be her cousin, and she doesn't seem to show any kind of affection for her. And uh, I personally think that she should be glad that it's not a complete stranger spending lots of time and looking after her son. And uh, I think she should, on the contrary, be glad that Jeffrey Charles gets to meet and know new people and experience new things rather than just staying home in this uh, austere atmosphere. Preach! I mean, this bothers me so much. (laughs) And I don't get people who think she's a good mother. She resents her son's happiness. That's a terrible mother! Like, please wake up to this! Honestly... I kind of think that kid needs to go to boarding school and get away from her because that's not healthy. Every time she was like, why are you laughing? What is so funny? When we were reading it, we didn't laugh. He so can't we... even laugh without her getting angry. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, I think she's jealous. I think she's, she is jealous of the uh, in, enjoyment and camaraderie that Jeffrey Charles and Morwenna have developed because it's clear uh, that the two of them have become quite close and uh you know the fact that that you know she's got to spend her time with this new baby and she doesn't have the ability to to have jeffrey charles clinging to her skirts as he has before uh she's resentful and jealous if this comes back to that thing she doesn't like anybody else being admired but her like that's her thing oh god exactly exactly Exactly. And uh, I also have one question. Do they plan on making references to the opportunity every week? (laughs) We've had messages touching the subject, so more on that later, but Jesus. Oh my god, I feel like they are beating us over the head with the whole thing. Kill me, I can't handle this. Yeah, I mean, and and the obvious ones. Who does Valentine favor? I mean, that one, I just just wanted to slap my, my screen when I I heard that, it was like, okay, give it up already. There is no subtlety in this storyline, is there? No, no. And God help us, uh, the Far Far Away site uh, posted uh, some some stills from uh, next episode, and there's an episode where uh, George is holding Valentine, and I gotta say, the kid playing Valentine, it looks really adorable, and I think Jack holding the kid is really adorable, but I'm trying to remember. This is George, this is George, this is George. Uh, But uh, the the kid, the kid had the audacity to have some curls on his head, and and people started losing their freaking minds, and I was going, did anybody happen to notice that George has a crap ton of curly hair? Sitting on his head? That's not the point. They can't hire curly-haired kids to play Demetra <gasps> and Ross's babies. They have straight hair. Exactly. Heads. What's up with that? Exactly. Bone straight hair on their children. What is that about? So, anyway, it's 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 making me crazy. 
And, uh, you know, the scene where she's getting ready uh, for Elizabeth is getting ready for the beach or for the party at the Bassett's. And that poor child is just screaming in that crib. Oh, that that was making me nuts. And then on top of that, to fling that comment about, you know, well, you know, hopefully you'll have a chance to have another child and you'll understand to Verity. Oh, no, she better don't. I'm sorry. You better check yourself, Elizabeth Warleggan. You don't get to do that kind of shit. Go have another glass of wine. Is it wrong that I kind of enjoy Elizabeth Warleggan a lot more when she's just downright evil? <laughs> I'm like, at least you're a character now. Yeah, I do. Um, except when it involves that child. And I just want to reach through the screen and slap her in the head. It was like something out of a horror movie when that kid was screaming and she was doing nothing about oh, it. Oh my god. I, you know, I, I would love to ask, I would love to ask Haida how she managed through that scene with that child screaming. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to stand it. I, I just wouldn't, uh, you know, and I don't even have kids. I mean, I, you know, decided not to have kids early on, but. I cannot bear hearing a poor child in some in pain or neglect, and that just made me nuts. I love that, that baby is like one month old, and she thinks that it's trying to manipulate her. Like, come on, Elizabeth. I know there might be something <sighs> actually wrong. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that her um, ambivalence towards the uh, towards Valentine was as was painted with as broad a strokes as it is on the show. You know, it it's mentioned in the books that that it took her a while to warm to Valentine, but um, you know, after he reached I think it was about six months old, you know, she started to to really form a bond with him. Um That's just another example of like a complete lack of subtlety. Like everything about this is so heavy handed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I didn't get a, a sense of, of cruelty from her uh, with regards to her, um, the delay in bonding with her child as opposed to the show. What was your new favorite character and why? Uh, Sweetbug22 said, absolutely adore Drake. Uh, Prairie Shazed uh, said Drake. I love Drake from the books because he seems he seems to be so genuine and unaffected. And the TV Drake is showing those characteristics too. Bpac67 said Tholly as he is a bit of a mischievous rogue. I love Tholly! Tholly's voice as well. Oh, Tholly. Like, he just immediately, like, struck me right in the face. Like, I barely understood what he was saying, but I love it so hard. Yes, Tholly. <laughs> Uh, I liked Sir Francis Bassett. Mm -hmm. um, he has a lovely deep voice. Yeah, we can see a lot more of him on the show. I have a strange crush on him. Uh, I, I, I have a crush, and it ain't strange at all. He's uh, he's kind of dishy. But you know, I said that about McNeil last year, so you know. But we know where this is going. <laughs> I feel like Sir Francis is a safer, safer crush. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. Exactly. Um, contrast, what was your least favorite new character and why? Oh, God. Uh, Prairie said, this one is difficult. I don't hate Sam, but I don't like his religious zeal. 
because it makes him overbearing at times. I am generally not a fan of people trying to ram their religious beliefs down other people's throats in real life, and I'm not a fan of it in fictional characters either. Uh, Sweetbog22 said, I love the actor Tom York. I just don't like Sam. I understand his usefulness to the plot, but I didn't much like him in the books either. Too staunch and too rigid. Oh dear. Well, I think I'm going to go get some coffee or something and back away from the mic because I think Miss Rita has some feels about this. Just to let you guys know, you're like really wrong. And here's <laughs> why. <laughs> Just kidding, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. Because Sam is a very rich and nuanced character. What you're describing is the trope that the Sam character actually subverts. He isn't like his annoying ass father that would yell fire and brimstone at people and try and scare them to death. Sam is, by contrast, like a really gentle honest and sincere soul that is incapable of telling even white lies. He looks terrified at trying to, like, we shouldn't go onto the land, Drake, oh no! Um, and he just genuinely wants to help people, and I really enjoy him for that, but also because I think he is a very distinct character with a clear and defined sense of who he is, and a very clear voice, and what he wants and what his storyline is does not entirely revolve around a chick. Which leads me into my least favourite character, Drake. And I'm not saying that to be contrarian because I don't actively dislike Drake or anything. He's actually kind of sweet. But he doesn't really have any kind of emotional reaction out of me because like, he's also kind of bland and very undefined as a character. I literally don't know who he is or what he wants out of life outside of this crush on Moena. He's just there to be a love interest. Like The show did not do a good enough job of establishing that character before diving him into this relationship, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, just to touch upon what you just said, Rita, um, well, in the season three premiere, uh, when their father was on his uh, deathbed, and uh, Sam was uh, saying, uh, I will go um, straight into the world and save souls. And uh, he asked Drake, uh, will you go, will you join me, brother? And Drake is just like, mm -hmm, yeah, well, <laughs> okay, if you want, I'll join you. But it didn't seem as passionate as, uh, as is Sam that was. Like, is like... that like a Drake thing? He's just, <laughs> he just floats around? Am I supposed to be excited about that? No, I think that, that Drake is uh, Drake is the kind of uh, person that is just wanting to get out of the life that he has had to live for uh, quite some time. And, you know, remember in that first episode, uh, you know, when he comes to Nampara to tell Demelza that uh, their father's dying, uh, Demelza is, you know, talking about how, you know, he's done nothing but, you know, give me bruises and and drake says you know same drake says drake says same here you know it's it's clear that um both of them have a very conflicted uh relationship with their father and you know for demelza she ran away uh at 13 uh and was able to escape that and i think uh, for Drake, he didn't feel as though he was able to do that until, you know, now released from 
uh, being the doting son with his father's death, I think he's just ready to go and experience life. Um, and, you know, as we know uh, from the books, uh, don't drink. This is not a drinking game because some of you may be driving. <laughs> but I did say in the books. But, uh, you know, in the books, uh, the the character of Drake uh, really has a resounding resemblance to uh, Demelza. And so... I'm not getting that in the TV show, though. Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. Um, You know, the, the, the zest for life... Yeah, the, the zest for life and curiosity and, and that kind of thing. It's like they boiled down his character into this single storyline of I meet this girl, I fall in love with her instantly, and I'm just going to moon over her uh, for the rest of the episodes. And that is, that's a missed opportunity. And I think that's, I'm not like a huge fan of the Drake Mawena storyline, <laughs> surprise, but I think um, I was kind of disappointed that they were introduced at the end of last episode because I think, for me, what that did was just go, it just sped towards that storyline too quickly and I didn't feel like I mm-hmm. really got a sense of these two characters as individuals. It was just like, immediately, mm-hmm. that's going to be a thing and that's yeah. all you should focus on. And I think for me to get yeah. invested in a relationship, I have to know who these two characters are as distinct entities. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a, yeah, it, a, a typical thing with this storyline that speeds through through relationships too quickly. I think, and also another victim of this is Caroline and Dwight. But that's another that's another podcast. <laughs> what was your performance of the week? And uh, Aiden Turner got strong marks for his performance this week. By the way, happy belated birthday, Aiden! Yes, happy birthday! Gang old. <laughs> <laughs> Curry Cheesehead uh, said, you know, Aiden Turner, the range of emotion that he can display without saying a word is outstanding. Ross has matured, but the way we see it is subtle, and Aiden does an excellent job with this subtlety. Some people are so focused on having to hear words, but when they focus only on words, they're missing the nuances and the actions. Ross is remorseful, and he's trying to change, and it's showing through Ross's attitude now. We see this through Aiden's performance. And I agree. I mean, some of the things that I I loved about uh, seeing he and Demelza together again, uh, you know, yeah, sure, the scenes where they're snuggly in bed, you know, yeah, that's that's lovely. But it was, you know, the, the walks on the beach and the conversations and all of those little tiny subtle things that that really made my heart swell i agree he's my performer of the week too amanda podock said it's a three-way tie between robin ellis the og russ yes uh, ruby bentall because verity's pain was so real and bt (laughs) 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 because cougar prudy is iconic Sweet Bug 22 said the whole thing was great. I think Aunt Agatha is hysterical and loved all her scenes. Such a great actress. Great acting on her part when Verity left. Though, oh, can I just God. say, how many times have we seen Aunt Agatha be like, Verity! And like, like I'm over it. It's a shtick that's been played too many times. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think that I think that her bounding out of the house and knocking the footman out of the way, um, I I did kind of enjoy that because you know four legged footman. <laughs> and <laughs> but the the scene where the scene where they're saying goodbye, um, and you know she was saying you know will I ever see you again and and will she says you know of course you will, um, and you know you see this this look on 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 Agatha's face that says no I don't think I will that was that was just heartbreaking just heartbreaking <laughs> yeah and uh, Duffy Paul Dark also mentioned poor poor Aunt Agatha saying goodbye to Verity oh my god any other observations you wish to share with us was our next question and BPAC67 said even though we're a couple of episodes in, I feel the show is still establishing plots, storylines, and the new characters in particular. Though I really love the scenery of Cornwall, I feel they could cut back on crashing waves, cliffs, and aerial scenes in favour of more time spent on characters and storylines. I'm trying to separate the books, which I love from the TV series, and see them as separate entities, but it isn't really easy. Preach! Oh my god, I'm sh- I struggle more with this show than I have ever struggled with a book to adapt book adaptation to show ever. And um I agree. I I mean as much as I I love the the crashing waves and and stuff like that. Um I give me some more time with characters, please. Uh Cherry or Prairie Cheesehead said that Thali needs to come with subtitles. <laughs> oh my god, where he comes to the door uh, to Ross's door in the middle of the night, you know, you what the hell did he say? Goody, what's a sob? I blah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't wait to get the DVD so I can turn on the damn subtitles. Oh my god. Uh, she also uh, loves uh, rebellious Jeffrey Charles. I can't help it. For the record, I'm not a book purist, but it's nice to see things get closer to the books. Having watched episode one a few times and now episode two, I'm starting to think that Epison. Episode one was a big retcon to get things back to being closer to the books. Uh, the main example of this was Caroline keeping her marriage secret and having a wedding when Dwight returns. Um, Zina Lucy One said Aiden was outstanding as Ross. His acting is so brilliant. He can convey so much with just a facial expression or a look. He is so subtle and nuanced. Ruby was just brilliant as Verity. Her emotional range is excellent. She played upset and terrified so well. I'm liking Drake and Morwenna far more than I thought I was going to. Snarky Demelza is getting very tiring. Elizabeth's ambivalence towards Valentine was very well played. Elizabeth's probably terrified maybe Valentine is going to develop some black curls and lots of bunny hair. <laughs> but don't forget the scar. Don't forget the scar. Gotta have the scar there too. Sweet Garden Nut said I loved Aunt Agatha and her love for Verity. It was refreshing to have Verity in this episode. I really enjoy her character. I have to say I'm not super crazy about Ross's hair. I saw some pictures from season one and it looked so much better, not quite so stringy. Well, uh, first of all, uh, we all must say that season three hair is a massive improvement over season two hair. So I'm very happy to see the the Turner curls back uh, in full force and effect for series uh, three, and um, you know there I could have sworn that uh, hearing somebody say that Aiden had some hair extensions added to his hair for season one, 
Uh, I hadn't quite stumbled upon the life-changing event known as Poldark for the Series 1 ramp-up. So if you happen to know the scoop on what was happening with his hair uh, in Series 1, please drop us a note in the Ask box and we'll uh, include that either uh, on next week's podcast or we'll answer it on the blog. Yes, please, dear Lord, send me 50 more messages about his hair. <laughs> I'll never get that. <laughs> As for the inclusion of Verity, I actually kind of hated it. Didn't make sense to insert her into this, because what it did was actually take time away from Caroline's reaction to the news of Dwight, which I felt got crapped all over this week. We barely spent any time with Caroline and her pain, and it didn't really add anything to Verity's character, because her husband was fine in like 20 minutes, it was over and resolved so quickly. And I get that they want to add this character and I love Verity and they want more of her in the show because, you know, Ruby's fabulous. But when it starts to hinder other characters' storylines like it did this week, I'm going to hate it. Sorry, Verity. That's a really good observation, Rita. It really is. As a Dwight Caroline fan, I notice. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Another point. If Dwight and Caroline are going to have a second wedding... What the fucking fuck was the point of the first one? (laughs) What was it? (laughs) What does that do? (laughs) What does that add to the storyline? It just creates a more convoluted layer of just pure mess. Where she's married to him, but she can't tell people she's married to him. And then it's like, why don't you just tell people you're married to him if you want information about him? You have to know why they did that, Rita. Come on. You know, they had they had Dwight and Caroline slinking up to Dwight's room after, you know, he proposes to her uh, in, at the end of series uh, two. And uh, they had to have some kind of resolution for that. Plus, you know, they couldn't have her wind up staying unmarried and Uncle Ray dying. Remember, they spent... They sped up the pace on Ray's death. I mean, I don't understand this, but I don't understand why. <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why speed up his death? Because they're 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 try they're trying to cram in as much as as humanly possible in eight episodes. They're also and, like and just that... making it messier. It's like not yes, a clear narrative anymore, um, and it's so confusing. And they're also, they're trying to make it more complicated, but spend less time on it than it deserves. Because this is supposed to be a huge part of the series. Like, Ross and Demelza are supposed to be off frolicking, and Caroline and Dwight are the main, like, angsty romance of the book. And it's just, (laughs) I'm not getting either of those things. Just lastly, I have to point out that George, kind of a great father. I know. I know that's uncomfortable, but he's showing so much pride and care for Valentine at the moment. And yeah, he's an ass for sure. But when he was boasting about his son coming out of the church after the christening, like my heart just like swelled and then broke for him because he's so clueless. And Elizabeth, you cold-hearted bitch. (laughs) It's just awful. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there was a moment where, uh, you know, as he was coming out of the church, he was, you know, talking about his son, and he gave this little laugh, which was almost uncharacteristically adorable for George. And, uh, you know, that was kind of like, oh, 
he's a real person George with feelings. And then when yeah. he when he was like, "Oh, I'm doing. Oh, I want to be a magistrate because I care about my son's future," and I was like, "Oh, look at you caring about your son's future. If only Ross could manage that." Oh, <laughs> oh God. Let's move on to messages. <clears throat> First one's from Anonymous. I hate to complain, but how much longer are we going to have to endure references to who Valentine favors? Also in the books, don't more people go on the rescue mission to free Dwight, like Drake? If he doesn't go as he does in the books, how is he ever going to earn Ross's respect? Dra Drake? I was going to say Dross. <laughs> Drake was such an important part of the rescue. Uh, I completely agree with you on your first point, um, you know, that and references to how healthy Valentine is for coming a month early. Um, you know, I guess it bothers me so much to have this question, A, hovering over everyone at this time of the story, not just, uh, you know, possibly Elizabeth, but, you know, everyone but George seems to be, you know, pondering over, you know, what what the parentage is of this kid. Um, and B, having it be an almost foregone conclusion that Valentine is Ross's child, despite the fact that it's never truly known, nor could it ever have been known in that time of um, uh, existence here on the planet. Uh, you know, they didn't have DNA tests or anything along those lines. Um, so, you know, because, you know, in the books, oh God, don't drink, no drinking, no driving. Um, you know, it's never known in the books. Uh, it is suspected as we get further into the series but, you know, at this point in the storyline, uh, there really isn't anyone but Elizabeth who may be thinking that it is, uh, it could be Ross's. There's no subtlety and, like, no ambiguity. No, no. Um, which, which is really kind of annoying. Um, with regards to your second question, uh, the trip Ross is making to France in next week's episode is actually a recon mission to find out whether or not Dwight is on the list of prisoners. Uh, this happens in Black Moon. Um, he leaves on page 183, and uh, Demelza at that time is only two months from giving birth. So timeline fun once again. Um, and I believe he's almost gone for a month, um, I think, or probably closer to two weeks uh, by the time he returns home. So uh, there is another trip that's coming up to France, and, and um, uh, Drake will more than likely be a part of that Yay. one. But, you know, we'll get to that as we get further into the series. Uh, let's see. Uh, Anonymous said, how long do you think it will be before we see some warmth and humor and a real connection between Ross and Demelza? There was a tiny bit when Demelza and Ross were in bed, and they heard knocking at the door, and she pushed Ross out of bed. Uh, please, Debbie, Debbie, give us more. I thought she did a really good job of injecting the warmth back in their relationship this week. I don't think it helps that the plot is racing as fast as it is because it's very hard to keep up with characterization and relationship beats like this don't get the time they deserve. But, you know, overall, I'm happy nonetheless. Um, ATMSB3 uh, said uh, episode two was much better and felt and looked more like previous seasons. I wish we had more of Ross and Demelza, and Ross, Demelza, and Jeremy, who looks adorable. 
My question is, in the books, Ross did not know that Valentine could be his child until much later. We trade up the story to focus on other things. Here, we figured it out much sooner, and of course, the Demelza knew pretty much as soon as Elizabeth's pregnancy was made public. I imagine they did it this way because it created more drama for TV. Not sure, not sure which I like better. What are your opinions? Also, I love Demelza's stare down of Elizabeth at the party. Finally, Elizabeth looked uh -huh. somewhat, <laughs> Elizabeth looked somewhat and somewhat embarrassed or ashamed, at least to me. Demelza saw through the Saint Elizabeth act pretty early, and it was great to see her get the upper hand in that moment. Thoughts? Uh, I I also agree with the the stare down. Uh, I thought that was awesome, and uh, you know tried to pay close attention to that uh, on rewatch. Really enjoyed that because you're right, Elizabeth looked uh, pretty abashed uh, by the the glare that she got from Demelza. I thought that that was that was pretty entertaining. Um, and I know we've talked uh, just a just a few moments ago about the the whole issue of knowing this about the the pregnancy uh, and the possible paternity of Valentine. Uh, I think you're absolutely right that the reason they did that was to amp up the drama uh, for this story. And uh, whether or not that's a, a real positive thing, I don't know. Although I did hear that their number, the rating numbers were down from last week's episode. So, you know. I love when I'm proved right well about this. Because, yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, it's true. You know, they had a whole bunch of melodramatic stuff happen last week and everybody was on the edge of their seats. And I think they're just continuing to have the specter of Valentine's parentage uh, looming over our heads in order to keep the, the, the drama up. Podak Costume Project said, 302 Costume Comments. Dolly's shabby pirate chic is amazing and pretty accurate. No fantasy elements. Demelza, Caroline and Elizabeth are all wearing zone front gowns at the party. Those are slightly behind the times. Verity has more of the traditional round gown, which is still slightly behind as well. Demelza's brooch Ross sold also appears out of nowhere. <laughs> Classic Dolly! <laughs> And Robin Ellis's wig remains crazy, but it's so true to the times. <laughs> yeah, having uh, Demelza's brooch turn up, you know, when it was like, oh, jeepers, where did that come from? Uh, I thought that Demelza's gown was really lovely. Um, it kind of fitted her impeccably. Her waist. It was absolutely <sighs> impeccable. Her the tiny, itty bitty waist. Um, which, of course, makes me think of, you know, how she is always hiding her pregnancies. That poor baby. <laughs> um, you know, because, you know, it, and I think it was, I don't know if it was this party. No, it was this party in the books where she uh, was, she winds up wearing a skirt and blouse. And she says later that she doesn't think she's going to be able to wear the blouse again until after the baby's born because it was really uncomfortable or something along those lines. Um, but uh, I, I thought that I thought that Demelza looked absolutely lovely. I loved her hair with the pearls in the back and the ribbons. Oh, they're so pretty. I, like, but oh. I was also wondering, like, who did she get to do her hair like that? Because there's no way Prudy's helping. 
Have you seen Brady's hat? Hey, I, <laughs> who knows? I mean, you know, she's improved her cooking. You never know. She may have improved her uh, hairstyling as well. Miracles happen now the judge when gone. you believe. <laughs> so let's listen to the trailer for 303. I, George Warleggan, do swear to act as a justice of the peace. You will find me the names of these Methodists. I think Zaki called him Sam. Samuel Khan, Samel's brother. Well, there's no news of Dwight. I still hope that he is still alive. Get word to my wife, I've been delayed. If you are found the show after midnight, you will be executed. Uh, so, the episode description for next week. Uh, Ross is ordered to leave Roscoff under threat of execution. He travels with Thali to meet his contact in France, but finds information about Dwight's fate, uh, and it comes at a high mm. price. Uh, Sam leads a congregation of Methodists in protest outside the church, only to face broken promises from George, who revokes their lease on the meeting house, which leads them to turn to Elizabeth for help. That's not right. Good luck with that. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Charles has some words of advice for Drake, who has shared a moment of intimacy on the beach with Marlene. Because, of course. (laughs) I swear, we just saw that happen. But okay. Mm -hmm. What are you most looking forward to about next week? I am looking forward to all of the antics over in France. Um, I think that 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 or there was a uh, scene in the clip that showed Ross in disguise and he looks really hot. <laughs> it was like, oh, I, I thought the tricorn was good, but I think this little slouch hat is uh, uh, kind of looking pretty sassy. Um, Delonda, you have to speak for on behalf of all French accuracy next week. <laughs> you know it's going to be a shambles. <laughs> You're on French duty. Exactly. You need to be doing our fact checking for us, my friend. We'll do. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some truly awful French accents. Even this week, like when he was. Oh my god! Yes. Oh, de toi. I mean, come on now. Make it. Make an effort, dude. It's. Okay? It's not that hard. Come on. <laughs> That's what you get when you film French French scenes in Wales. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Not like the Welsh accent is uh, distinctive or anything. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So much to look forward to. <laughs> and that is it from us this week. Thank you so much for listening to us, and please remember to like, reblog, and subscribe if you enjoyed our show. If you didn't, you can go away. <laughs> we will be back next week with our thoughts on 303. Please feel free to get in contact with, with us with your thoughts on the episode before Tuesday. You can either tweet us at Podlock Podcast or go on our blog at podlockpodcast.tumblr.com forward slash ask. And we may just read your questions out on the show. See you next time. Bye, bye, guys. guys.
Jesus.